How are we all doing? You're just, just sitting there. When a jeweler sets out to create a beautiful wedding ring, he starts with a beautiful diamond, but then sets that diamond in the appropriate setting. I don't know if I'm supposed to sit down at my little table or not, but you know I don't sit down. So, um, so the, the jeweler has the beautiful diamond and wants to put it in a setting that will enhance the beauty of that, that beautiful gem. And I thought of that illustration as I thought of what we want to accomplish this morning. Because our launch or lunch next Sunday is that diamond that we want to, we want to polish and shine and put off to its best. And this morning we want to kind of provide the setting for that diamond, if you will. And so I've been asked to talk about our past. How have we gotten to where we are today? What does that look like? We want to honor the past. Tim is going to focus on the present. Where, where are we at now? Can we celebrate where we are now? And I hope the answer to that question is a loud yes, right? There you go. Thank you, Ed. Ed's always the loudest. I love that. I, I missed you two weeks ago, man. I, I needed you here. And then Pastor Oscar is going to take us to the future and talk about the future that we're going to embrace together. And so uh, the diamond is next Sunday. This morning is, is the setting. And so we trace the roots of this family that gathers here on Sunday mornings. We trace our roots back more than 300 years to the Eider River in Schwarzenau, Germany. A group of believers who had been meeting in Bible study discovered by their focus on God's Word that some of the things that they were being taught, some of the traditions in the German church, didn't square up with the New Testament. They wanted a church squarely and firmly set in the New Testament. And one of the conclusions they came to led them to the side of the Eider River where eight of them were baptized. Because they'd come to the conclusion from reading this book that it wasn't infants that needed to be baptized, it was adults who'd come to faith and had put their faith and their trust in King Jesus. And so that small beginning on the side of the Eider River grew and this group of believers blossomed. But from the very beginning, the focus of this group was always on three things. Number one was the Scriptures, the Bible. They wanted to read it, they wanted to study it, and they wanted to live it. And so their motto from the very beginning is something that I've heard all 74 years, maybe nine months before I was born, I don't know. The Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. And so that has been part of the tradition of our family of churches for over 300 years. A focus on the Scriptures. Secondly, a focus on community. Doing life together. We're not in isolation. We're doing life together. We're obeying the Scriptures together. We gather together. Community was important to them. The third thing that they valued was evangelism. Reaching people for Jesus. And so as I think about the history that brings us to the future, we are standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And as I like to think about it, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. So in 1708, that group began and established what was the beginning of the movement that we know today that our church is a part of. 
because they were experienced persecution by the state church, they came to this country. And in 1719, most of them had migrated here to America, settled in Pennsylvania at the invitation of William Penn. And uh, they all settled, interestingly, in Germantown, Pennsylvania. Why did they settle in Germantown? They all spoke German, and that was their commonality. And so they settled there in in, uh, Germantown, Pennsylvania. And our forebearers, those whose shoulders we stand upon, printed the very first Bible that was printed in the United States. A German Bible printed by our forebears. The first Sunday schools that were established in this country were established by our forebears in Pennsylvania. And so, again, we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. In Germany, they had been known as German Baptists. When they came to this country, they added the name Brethren. They were German Baptist Brethren. Some people called them Dunkards. That was a kind of a term of of ridicule because they baptized by immersion by dunking people in water so they were not I didn't say drunkards I said dunkards some of you are looking at me a little weird and so that their name when they were here in this country were German Baptist brethren and because of their emphasis on the scriptures and studying the scriptures because of their emphasis on evangelism they began spreading and planting churches in Pennsylvania Indiana Ohio, and ultimately coming here to the West Coast, where our first church in California was the church in Laverne, where I live. 1900, our first church in California. In 1905, a group gathered in Los Angeles and began planning to start a brand new Brethren Church in Los Angeles. And by that time, what I said, that was... uh, 1905, by 1907, they had their first worship service in Los Angeles, and the first Brethren Church of Los Angeles began. Just a few years later, one of the men in the church donated a piece of property on the corner of 60th and Compton. And because they were on the corner of 60th and Compton, they changed the name to Compton Brethren Church. It's interesting as you think about the history of our movement of churches across this country, We did not adopt the name Grace Brethren until 1937 when Grace Theological Seminary was established. Most people think the name Grace Brethren is because the Scriptures talk about grace, which it does and they do. But it was really the identity with Grace Theological Seminary that caused our church family to adopt that name, Grace Brethren. That church in Los Angeles soon moved here to Norwalk in the early 1950s. And I think the first meeting happened down the street at D.D. Johnston, right? At the elementary school. And uh, then this property had been acquired and uh, this facility was built kind of one piece at a time over those years. And one of the things that strikes me as I think about the fact that we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us is we, we truly stand on the shoulders of giants. I look back and I read the history of our church and I see the names of pastors, many of whom I knew, some I count as friends in my life, many of whom are now with Jesus. Uh, Charles Ashman is on that list, a wonderful, wonderful man that I counted as a friend. 
another man on that list, Henry Rimple, played a significant role in the life and history of our church. Uh, Stan Jensen was one of our pastors, another man that I counted among my friends. Of course, Dr. Kirtanik was here for several months, 17 years, and uh, had, a, had a significant uh, contribution in history in our church. Uh, Wayne Eyre, another of our pastors in the past that I still count among my circle of friends. We stand today on the shoulders of giants. But that circle of giants includes people like you. I look back at our history and I say, here's a guy who donated property to the church. Part of his farm on the corner of Compton and 60th Street. There were people in the process of our church over the last many years, 116 years, I think, if my math is any good. There were people who mortgaged their homes to acquire property and build buildings. We stand today on the shoulders of giants. And as I look back at our history, whether I look all the way back to our roots in Germany or look to our beginnings of this congregation in Los Angeles and their choice to migrate east and wind up of all places here in Norwalk, um, we stand on the shoulders of giants. By the way, one of the things I discovered in my research, do you know what the population of Norwalk was when we landed here in 1953? Eight thousand five. Who said five? You keep it up, you're going to qualify as my number two heckler. So, 8,000 people were here in the early 50s when our church relocated to this place. And now uh, 105,000, I think, if I remember correctly. And so that song that we just sang about being thankful is kind of, that's what spoke to me as I thought about our past. We have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for. Thankful for godly pastors, thankful for godly people who serve Jesus. And many of those godly people who serve Jesus are still here today. Taught Sunday school, led Bible studies, served as youth workers, you know. Probably look back, Ron and Dee, after all these years, and you're glad you're no longer with 13-year-olds, right? I'm totally on that page. But many of those... of whose shoulders we stand on are still here. They've paid the price. They've served Jesus in in a variety of capacities. And so I think the words of that song are so appropriate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so I want to pray and give thanks to the Lord. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this awesome, awesome history. We look back And uh, certainly there's been mistakes and blunders along the way, but in your sovereign grace you have superintended and overseen that. And so we're thankful for those godly men and women who have gone before us. They have paved the way. They have set the stage. They are the setting of this diamond that we hope to present to Norwalk and to the wider community next Sunday. And we're grateful today that we can be a part of that setting as well as we seek to serve you in this place. We would honor our past, but most of all, we would honor the God of our past who has led us, directed us, guided us, supported us, enabled us. And so, Lord, we just bow our heads and hearts before you. We extend before you lifted hands that say we continue to surrender to your will, to your purposes. We continue to extend to you open hands ready to receive what you have for us 
in the months and years ahead. And we join our voices together this morning, Lord, as we have sung together. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise and the glory for what has transpired. And we look forward to the future before us with that expectation of your continued hand of blessing. And we give you thanks together in the name of King Jesus. Amen. What are you doing in my chair? From past to present, there we are. All right, well, I get the uh, privilege of talking about the present, and we get to celebrate the present. And uh, they said they gave me the hardest task. So I'm not sure. They did give me the hardest task by giving me a handheld mic. I think that's to keep my hands kind of from being all over the place. But as I look over these last, uh, I'll say, couple years, so when we think about the present, I'm going to think about the last, say, two years together that we've been together as a church body um, what, what are we going to celebrate? What, what is there to celebrate? Is there anything to celebrate in the last couple of years? There's a lot to celebrate. And uh, so when I think about that word celebrate, I think about the idea of rejoicing. I think about the idea of giving praise to God for what he's done. Now, I do realize this. We can celebrate both the good and the hard and the bad, right? Sometimes we, we go through hills and valleys and we have good moments. We have bad moments. But we have a lot to celebrate uh, of what God's been doing in our life and in the body of our church here. And so when I think about all of this and I think about, okay, where we've been in the last couple of years, what does that look like? What do we have to celebrate? There's this word or phrase that keeps coming to my mind. And uh, David, if we can put that on the screen. And it's the word, the value of others. And I'll put right next to that partnership. And so there's a lot that we can talk about this morning to celebrate. Uh, but I really want us to celebrate this idea of valuing others in our life, valuing the idea of partnership uh, with other people. And uh, some of the things that you may think about when you think about partnership, if you're in the business world or you have a business, you may immediately think about partnerships. Ed's giving me this like, no, I don't, there's not good partnerships out there in the business world, huh? Uh, right? But you may think about partnerships with other organizations, other businesses, other people that have their own businesses. Maybe in the marriage perspective, we think about a partnership with a husband and a wife. Uh, and that partnership. But whatever comes to your mind when you think about partnership, um, I want us to kind of think about partnership has no idea of one person in it. Right? It's not just one. It's not just me. In fact, a partnership with me is not really a partnership. Right? That's just kind of selfishness. Um, and so partnership means we include other people and we bring other people in. Uh, I, this idea of working together with other people, this idea of collaboration, this idea of, hey, I'm not in this alone. Anybody watch the Alone series on TV? They send these people out into the, the wilderness in a barren land, and they have to survive all by themselves. That's why we're, we're, Jesus didn't create us for that. right? Jesus created us to be in partnership with one another, to be in collaboration with one another, uh, to do teamwork together. When I think about this, there's a couple passages that come to mind. And I, for the sake of time, I put them on the screen. But the first one that I thought about was King Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, verse 9 and 10. He says this. He says, two are better than one. And this is probably a familiar passage to you. right? But two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Or maybe some of your versions say good reward for their labor. Um, if one, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow or his companion. And then it goes on. I don't think it's on the screen, but it goes on. It says, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. 
Right? There's value. King Solomon is saying there's value in other people being in our lives. There's value in partnering with one another. We're going to celebrate that. We're celebrating the value of partnership and how we've been able. Like when you everybody look around real quick. Look look around to the people around you. Right? These are people that you get to partner with. These are people that we get to partner with together. The other passage that came to my mind was Luke chapter 10. Uh, very beginning of Luke chapter 10, Jesus is getting ready to send out the 72. And he doesn't send them out like they do in a loan. Uh, right? He sends them out two by two. Kind of makes me think about the Noah's Ark, right? Two by two, they went on the ark. Right? But by, he sends them out in two. And let's, let's look at this passage. It says, After this, a Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Right? So not only do these 72 get to partner with one another, but they get to partner with Jesus. They get to partner and by going into the cities and the towns that he's about to go into, and there's this partnership with one another, there's this partnership with Jesus. And then uh, the other verse that we're going to uh, talk about is Philippians chapter 4, uh, up there on the screen, Philippians 4, 14 through 19. But verse 14 says this, this is Paul talking, and Paul says to the Philippians, to the people in Philippi, it was kind of you to share in my trouble or in my difficulty. And that word share carries the idea of to have fellowship. So if you look at the Greek, that word says to have fellowship with one another, to partner with. In fact, it's the very same word that you're going to see. It looks different in the English, but it's the very same word in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, when the, when the, uh, the church is just growing, the, the disciples are meeting together, and Acts 2.42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And that word fellowship is the same word as the word share, to have fellowship in, to partner with, to share in those things. And so Paul was saying to the Philippian people, you've shared with me, you've partnered, or partnered with me, you've fellowshiped in my troubles, you've given financially to the work of the Lord, uh, and you've done these things. Um, so let's celebrate. Can we celebrate for a little bit? Let's celebrate the present. Let's celebrate what God's been up to. And on the screen, you're going to see a list. We're going to kind of walk through this pretty quickly because I have limited time. Uh, and this is an exhaustive list. We could go on and on probably all day uh, celebrating and talking about the wins and the things that God is doing uh, in our church and through us. But look at number one. It's the value of partnering with Assist Church Expansion. So think back two years ago, we had a pastoral search team that was looking for a pastor because we were without a pastor two years ago. Okay, And that pastoral search team met together. And I remember being in those meetings and I remember having discussion about do we do this alone or do we partner with another organization? And so we wrestled through that. We prayed through that. And we decided, I think it would be to our benefit to partner with another organization. So we looked at Assist Church Expansion. We looked at Momentum Ministry Partners. We looked at some different uh, organizations and decided to partner with Assist. I don't know if you guys remember the five rocks. I think Roy shared some of these a couple weeks ago, kind of refresh our mind. But we walked through these five rocks, this two-year process we've been on. The first one, anybody remember the first one? Unity, right? So unity, we, we are unified together. We met with Assist. They said, oh, we want your entire congregation to be good with this partnership. And we were. We had 100% unanimous agreement to partner with Assist. The second big rock with Assist was then to find a leader. That's where this guy comes in, right? We found Pastor Oscar, and we invited him to come and to help lead us as a congregation. The third one then is to surround Pastor Oscar with a team, so that third one is a team. And we found a team. We have a vision team that's been working hard the last 
probably a year and a half with Pastor Oscar, uh, working through some things that I'll share in a moment. Uh, but then that vision team, the next, so the fourth rock would then be a plan. So that vision team, Pastor Oscar, our leadership, right, had to create a plan. What does it look like for us to be planted in the city of Norwalk? And what does it look like for us to share the gospel with our community? And so that team's been working for the last year and a half on that plan. And here we are at the end of this process, the fifth rock, which is the launch. And here we are just seven days away, right? I think two years ago, I thought, oh, this day is never going to come, right? Somebody give a shout out again. Somebody shout it out. Yeah, there we go, right? So seven more days, we will launch into the community as Hope City Church uh, with a fresh, well, let me, let me get to the next one. So the value of forming a vision team, that was part of our, our rock assist process. But I want to highlight that because our vision team has been able to do incredible things. They've worked together in partnership with one another, and they've worked on your behalf. And so some of the things that they've worked on, they've worked on creating a new purpose statement for our church. Should I test us and find out if we know it yet? All right, if you know it, say it with me, but it's helping people experience the hope found in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So on the front of your bulletin, if you have one... Good job. That's right. So if you're still learning it, that's all right. It's on the front of your bulletin. So every Sunday you can see it, maybe read through it every Sunday. Right? That's the phrase that we want to uh, know, remember, and keep in our hearts. Okay? Um, so we have a new, uh, this idea of uh, a new purpose statement. The team has also been working on the idea of church values. So I'm going to test you again. You can say them with me. Our first value is to love unconditionally. Okay? Our second value is to reach intentionally. Good. You you guys are awesome. Our third value is to teach transformationally. Oh, look at, we have it up here. Oh man. I was so excited for you guys. You were all looking at me though. I saw that. All right. Now I got to look back. No. Uh, Our fourth one is serve relationally. And our fifth one is send courageously. Very good. All right. So for the first time, I've, I've been around for 40 years in this church, 40 plus years. And this is the first time that I can remember there being very clear values that we have as a church where we're going to say, hey, this is who we are, and this is what we're going to go after, and this is who we're going to be to the community of Norwalk. That's exciting. We've also developed our vision team a discipleship pathway, which we'll talk a little bit more about in the coming weeks and months. Uh, A new church name, Hope City Church, a new logo, a new website. So all of these things uh, this vision team has been working on. I've got to keep going here. All right, the value, the next one, the value of adding to our staff and our volunteer leaders. We've been able to bring others onto our team, which is exciting. So we've been able to bring Judith onto our team to help oversee our kids' ministry. We've been able to bring uh, Josue onto our team to oversee and give leadership to our worship team. But beyond those, like, more official positions, right, we've been able to bring others on. We brought Bob uh, Bob Hetzler on. Uh, He's been working with our First Impressions team, helping to get some of you involved in our First Impressions team and to serve on Sundays and throughout the week. Uh, Felipe has been involved with our Spanish ministry and helping out there, uh, even giving some leadership to our our auras, our outreach areas, making sure people can sign up for that. Um, uh, Jesse, whether you know this or not, Jesse is working on helping us think through our safety and security here on campus and being involved in that. And so in the near future, we'll be creating a safety and security team uh, that will be making sure that our kids are safe, our families are safe while they're here. Um, So a lot of cool things going on, adding to our team. The next one is the value of uh, our new Spanish ministry, right? So we've been able to start a new Spanish ministry, a Friday night Bible study, a Sunday morning worship service. These are things to celebrate. These are exciting things in the life 
of our church. Uh, the other thing that, that just came to my mind, the value of working together last year. It's already been a year, but last year uh, we did our first kind of like big outreach where we invited uh, the community. We blitzed the community, invited them to Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, we're able to see 25-plus visitors and guests come for the very first time. Many of them, uh, many of them are, or some of them are still you know, here and coming and joining with us. Uh, we've been adding partnerships with our TLC, TLC preschool. Uh, they just, this is the fifth year now they'll be on our campus. And uh, so we're trying to build relationships with them. This past Wednesday, a couple of us uh, started uh, doing coffee for the parents on Wednesday mornings. And we're going to continue doing that to build relationships with the preschool and the families um, every, uh, every week. So if you want to be a part of that, there will be opportunities to be involved on Wednesday mornings or on Wednesdays with that. We partnership with the city of Norwalk, so we've been part of their trash cleanups uh, events the last couple of years. We've been a part of uh, some of us staff, a part of their clergy meetings. Uh, Pastor Roy and Pastor Oscar have been invited uh, a couple different times throughout the year to be a part of uh, praying at the city council meetings. Uh, so great things happening there. Also partnership, the value of partnering with other churches. Um, we've been able to do this just recently with one of our sister churches, Bellflower Brethren. Uh, Pastor Oscar has been invited to uh, kind of partner with them and actually later today, right, you'll be with them uh, this evening uh, teaching their Spanish ministry leaders on how to develop sermons and how to preach. Um, and then they've been partnering with us by giving us some of their Spanish leaders to help us on Friday nights, Sunday mornings with our Spanish, Spanish ministry. So a lot of exciting things going on there. And then lastly, I just put up there the value of partnering with uh, uh Oh, it's not up there. Oh, it is up there. I went out of order. Uh, the value of partnering with, other, uh, with our outreach area. So many of you have joined and said, hey, I want to be a part of our outreach areas. And so we're getting out into the community. We're partnering with one another, uh, and we're doing that. So this list could really go on and on, uh, right? But we're short on time. So let me just kind of get uh, to the punch of here. Uh, change is going to happen, right? We have to adapt. We have to change. I know we're people of habits, Right? We like things certain ways. Let me give an example. Uh, Pastor Roy and I, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, were like, we need to find a really good hamburger place. And so we went on a search to find locally the best hamburger place. Did we find it? We found it. It's a place called L.A. Buns in the city of Downey. Great place. But guess what? Two weeks ago, Roy comes up to me, and Pastor Roy says, you'll never guess what happened. I said, what? L.A. Buns closed their doors. Oh, man. Change happens, right? And now we're, we're like lost puppies. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go eat. And, uh, but change happens, and we have to expect that in our lives. That's right. In and out. Well, in and out's good. I, I will take that. But um, Right? There's other things. Many of us come in. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I will. Many of us come in to church every single Sunday. We sit on the same side. We sit in the same row. We sit next to the same people, right? We're people of habit. We, maybe some of us, we drive the same way to church every Sunday, the same route, the same route to work. There's other routes you could go. Some of us like to, like, take new routes all the time. You guys, I get you, right? Got to change the scenery a little bit. But most of us are like people, we just like, we like our, our patterns. Um, we have our favorite restaurants. We order the, the, the uh, you know, the two favorite items from that restaurant every time we go. We don't mix it up. We don't try other things. But change is going to happen in our life. And we have, to, we have to celebrate that. We have to be a part of that. So here's my challenge for us this morning as we think about celebrating the present. Uh, in a minute, Pastor Oscar is going to talk about embracing the future and what that looks like. But we have to be willing in the present right now, today, to understand that change is here and change is good. And sometimes change is hard. I'll be the first to say it. Right? I don't wake up in the morning thinking, man, I can't wait to see what's going to change in my life today. 
right? Anybody like that? That's you. You're like, I want change to come my way. Nobody. Look at that, right? But change is going to come, and change is going to happen, and oftentimes it's, it's great, right? And we just have to get used to it. Um, one of the passages that I love is from Paul, and in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, he says this in verse 22 and 23. Uh, I don't have this on the screen, but if you want to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 22 and 23. Paul says, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. That's pretty cool. Right? And then he goes on, he says, I do it all, not for self, right? but I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. So here's my question for us this morning. What are we willing to do today in the present for the sake of the gospel? Paul says, I'll become all things to all people. Now, he's not going to go to the depths of sinning, right? But he says, hey, to the Jew, I'll become a Jew. To the Greek, to the Greek, to, right? to the poor, poor. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become whatever I need to become for the sake of the gospel to those who are around me. Are we willing to change our name for the sake of the gospel? Well, we did it. <laughs> I hope we're willing, right? Are we able to add values that we're going to adopt as a church for the sake of the gospel? Are we able to go into our auras for the sake of the gospel? Let me ask you this. The, uh, let me actually on the screen. If we can go to James chapter four, so you guys can follow along with me there. James chapter four. I love what James says. James is talking about today. He's talking about tomorrow, and he says this. He says, "Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring." And then he poses this question. He says, "What is your life? For you are a mist." Or a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Right? But here, James is, is talking about this idea of boasting about tomorrow. What we're going to do tomorrow. What we're going to do down the road. Right? And James is saying, he, he poses this question. He says, what is your life? So I have this bag here. I have to do a little illustration this morning. So I have this bag, and I have this rope. In this rope, this is your life. Everybody can see the rope? So I'm pulling, I'm pulling. It's a lot of life. So think about that. That's your life. But at the far end, there's this little red space. Anybody know what that is? It's duct tape. It's actually electrical tape. <laughs> right? Remember, we are eternal beings, meaning we will live forever. Now, we won't live forever on this earth in these bodies, right? But we will live forever. So this represents your life, eternity with Christ. But there's this little red mark here, and that's your life. Your mist. This is your vapor. And so sometimes we get so caught up in like, Oh, here I am. Maybe you're at this part of your life right here, the beginning. Some of you young ones, right? You're like right here, like, ah, oh, i got so much life ahead of me. Look at all that red, right? And some of us maybe are in the middle, and some are like, I don't know, I'm nearing the end of my red here, right? But this is, this is your mist. And my question is, we have all eternity to spend with Jesus, and that's going to be phenomenal. But what are we doing with our mist? What are we doing with the time that we have? How are we celebrating what God's going to do today in our lives? And so here's a couple questions I just want us to consider, and then I'll pass this over to Pastor Oscar. Are there ways that you are partnering together with others for the gospel? 
Are you already doing that in your life? Are you looking for ways to partner together with others for the gospel? I've loved this. The last couple of weeks I've watched some of our church, some of you go out into the community, into your auras, into your outreach areas, and you haven't done it alone. You've actually like called somebody up, uh, else up and you're like, hey, can you go with me? Can we, let's do this together. Right? Or maybe you've done that as a husband, a wife, or as a family. I, I've watched some of that, and I love that. Right? You're partnering together with other people, and you're doing it, and you're not doing it alone. So do, are, are there ways that you're already partnering with others for the gospel? The second question is, do you value the partnership of others? Do you value the partnership of others? Paul certainly did. He valued the Philippians. He valued bringing others onto his journeys with him, Timothy and Barnabas, and there's others, right, that he brought along. Do you value the partnership of others? And then here's, here's kind of the last question. I think I already said that before, but here's the last, last question. Uh, how can I make my life count? How can I make my mist count to the fullest? Again, we don't know when we leave this place. We don't know. We may not wake up tomorrow. God may come tomorrow. Right? We don't know what tomorrow looks like. So how are we living our life today? And so I just have a couple things here that I want to kind of help you to consider. And these are very basic things, but just to help you consider um, number one, be involved in prayer. So if you haven't joined our 15 days of prayer, get involved in that. Spend some time every day praying, asking God, and go, go beyond the 15. Like once these 15 days of prayer are up, don't stop. Right? Let, be, let prayer be a constant in your life. Second, be committed to the word. Pastor Roy said one of our, our main themes that we've always followed is the Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible. How are you spending time in God's word? Do you have personal devotions, personal time with the Lord? Are you involved in Bible study or a small group that we have here throughout the week? Are you coming regularly on Sundays? Is that a priority? Right? Be involved in God's word. Uh, Be active for the gospel. So get involved. We have opportunities to be a part of our auras, the outreach areas. If you're not signed up for one, it's not too late. Right? You can still do that. Uh, So sign up to be a part of an outreach area. And then lastly, be an initiator. You're going to run into people later today. And you can either go about your day and pretend like you don't see them, right? Or we can see other people. We can be the initiators, and we can be the ones to say, hey, maybe God brought this person across my path for a reason. Let me, let me initiate. Let me have a conversation with them. Let me build a relationship with them. So let's make our mist matter. Let's continue to do it in partnership and fellowship with one another. Oh, you're good. You're good. Honor the past, celebrate the present, embrace the future. That's what we're looking at. Embrace the future. So let me tell you something. The present is the result. The present is the result of the past. And the future depends on what we do in the present. We are only going to embrace the future when we start right now. When we start right now in the present. So, how should we embrace the present? How should we embrace the future if we're going to work in the present? A lot of great things that Pastor Roy shared with us is is our history. And and we're standing on, uh, we're standing on on the shoulders of giants. People who have sacrificed, people who have given a lot from them, from their families, people who have given their time, their efforts, and everything. Some of those are some of those are you guys here. That's why this church is still here. That that is the past. 
But without that kind of past, we cannot have the present we have right now. And if we don't do things the right way, the best way, in the present, we will not have a future. So your past brings you to your present, and your present, from your present depends what we're going to do in the future. So what should we do to embrace that future? How do we embrace the future? Number one, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, we need, we must pray. I tell you one thing. It's been amazing to sense in my heart the results of your prayers these this, this seven days. It has been so encouraging. It is encouraging. It's giving you the strength. It has given me the strength. It has given me a lot of things to keep on going. But because we're all praying, and we're all praying, and we're seeing the results. People are coming, people are getting, you know, people are getting things done that we are planning on. We're active. We're doing things for the Lord. We're loving one another. We're creating community. So we must pray. Everything begins with prayer. If we're going to go to the future and embrace the future and enjoy God's future for us, we need to pray. That exactly is what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah, in chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, Nehemiah is asking for a report. And when he asks for a report, what's going on in Jerusalem? Well, how are things going over there? And he hears sad news and he was broken. His heart was broken. He heard things are not going so well. Nehemiah didn't just get a, get a, get a paper and pencil and begin writing things around and, and went to the king right away. No, Nehemiah began the change with prayer. Prayer is because we depend on God for what's coming for the future. We don't know the future, but we know the God that knows the future and is in charge of the future. So we must pray. And after Nehemiah, uh, and, and you know, he hears about the present situation of the people in Jerusalem. He was heartbroken. And in verse 4 he says, Now I heard these words, and I sat down and wept. Nehemiah was, you know, he was sad, he was heartbroken. He mourned for days. And, he was, uh, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So if we can embrace the future... It depends a lot on what we do in the present, understanding the past. If we understand the past, we will be faithful in the present because we are standing on giant's shoulders. And the present is going to define how we embrace the future. And he said he was praying. He was praying. He was fasting. And I said, please, Lord of heaven, uh, the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant and faithfulness for those who love Him and keep His commandments. Let your ears now be attentive to your and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of, your, of the sons of Israel. Nehemiah began with prayer. The future that we are going to embrace. We're going to embrace it with prayer. This thing is not done by our own by our own wisdom, by our own effort. It is done with the Spirit of God. It is by His Spirit, not by my, not by my, by, by your Spirit, O oh Lord. The second thing we need to do to embrace the future. It's not, we, we, it's not just prayer, but we have to, we must have a vision. We must have a vision 
What does the Bible say in Proverbs 29, verse 18? Without vision, people perish. Without vision, churches close. Without vision, business go out of business. Without vision, people perish. So after praying, Nehemiah had a vision. The Lord gave him a vision, and he saw a preferable future for God's people in the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was okay. He, he was serving the king. But now that he was heartbroken, he began praying, and he, 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 he began praying, and, and what he did is he was uh, honoring the past, but he understood the present, and so he was praying for the future, and he got a vision from God, and a vision is a destination where we are heading, and we need to head over there, and we must have a plan to head over there. So Nehemiah didn't just pray, but he had a vision. He had a vision, and he was following a plan. Uh, he was following a plan that God had given him. And one of the things is, if, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. We need to have a plan for the future. We need to celebrate the present. Everything Tim was sharing right now with us is amazing. All the things that we've been doing together is amazing. Some of the changes that some of us like it, some of us might not like it very much, but some of those things are, have been necessary. It is part of God's plan to take the church to the future. God has given us a plan to put to work in the present. and Why? Because the future depends on what we do in the present. So pray. We need to have a vision. And, we, and when you have a vision, a vision without action is just a dream. A vision without action is just a dream. And faith without works is dead. So when you have a vision, you must execute the vision. Execute the vision. Do it. Don't just say it. Don't just dream it. But we have to do it. And a lot of you guys, I was amazed... How many of you guys came by this week and, 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 and ring the bell in our church, ring the bell to the office church and say, hey, we're here to pick up more flyers. That is amazing. That is amazing. Some of you guys have been picking up flyers all week long. Some of you guys were here painting yesterday again. And, and you know, some of you are active, so we're executing the vision. Nehemiah executed the vision and he even took risks. Sean Covey, in his book, um, uh, Four Disciplines of Execution, he says, The once you decide what to do, your biggest challenge is not deciding what to do, but your biggest challenge is getting people to ex execute what they need to do. That's interesting. It's easy to create a plan. It's hard to follow through with it. But we are following through with it. We are getting there. We are doing that. And we are doing it but because Nehemiah had faith. And his vision was put into action. And his vision was put into action because his faith came from prayer and fasting. His faith came from the Lord. And now that he is executing the vision, it's because he had faith. He had trust that the Lord was going to bless his people. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, That without faith... It's completely impossible to please God. So if we are going to have a vision, we need to execute it because faith by itself, James chapter 2 verse 17. Faith by itself 
if it's only faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, that faith is dead. Pray. Have a vision. Execute the vision. Because the vision without action is just a dream. A vision without action is just a dream. And there is, there is one fourth thing we need to do. We must be hopeful for the future. We must have hope. You know, when Nehemiah, before Nehemiah, 200 years before Nehemiah, Nehemiah is looking at a problem that somebody was praying for that problem 200 years before him. He was in, dealing with that problem. And that was the prophet Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah, and we know this verse, it's a very popular verse. Even Pastor Roy talked about a little bit, some of these verse about two weeks ago. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 and 11, the prophet Jeremiah told the people of Israel this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So you are going to be taken from Jerusalem and you're going to go away for 70 years to Babylon. And 70 years later, I'm going to bring you back from Babylon. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. So the Lord was telling them 200 years before this happened. The Lord was telling them, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you there. I'm going to send you there, but I'm going to bring you back. And so, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. 200 years later, Nehemiah was leading them with the vision God had given him. And in year, in year four, uh, 424 before Christ, Nehemiah was leading them 200 years, fulfilling this promise God had given them. So can you imagine the people of Israel for 70 years remembering what the prophet Jeremiah said? They had to be hopeful that things were going to happen. Remember what we talked about it in prayer last week? That two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we've been talking about prayer. Remember what we said, we must believe. We must believe that God has the best interest for us, for our church. And so the Lord declares, for I know the plans that I have for you. Do you think the Lord knows the plans He has for this church? Of course the Lord knows. Of course the Lord knows, right? He knows. Plans to prosper you. God doesn't want churches to close. God wants churches to start doing ministry, to start ministering to the community, to reach out to the community, to help people find the hope in Jesus. And that's what we're here for. We must be hopeful. God has a plan for this church. Plans to prosper. Plans to give you hope and future. Yesterday is history. Somebody said. Yesterday is history. A great history. But we cannot get stuck in yesterday. We got, we got to love it. And we got to remember it. And we got to honor history. But yesterday is history. Do not get stuck just in yesterday. Tomorrow, the future is a mystery that belongs to God. It's only in God's hands. But today, today is a gift. 
Today is a gift, and that's why we call it present, right? We call it present because today is a gift, and our actions today are going to help us to embrace the future. The future depends on what we do in the present. Honor the past by doing the right thing in the present. So we can celebrate the present and embrace the future. The people in the time of Nehemiah, they had hope. But when they, they, they had hope that they were going to rebuild the city when Nehemiah led them to rebuild the city. The interesting thing is that they didn't just say, you know, I have hope and I'm going to sit over here and just wait. I'm going to let God, God, God can do everything, right? I'm just going to wait. No, you know what they were doing? With one hand, they were building, a, they were building the wall. With one hand, they were putting a brick. And with the other hand, what did they have in the other hand? They had a sword. Right, we're building and we're ready. God told us we are going to build. God told us He is going to bless us. God told us He has a future for us. God told us He was going to bring us back and He was going to bless our city and He was going to bless us and we are ready to fight in case somebody wants to mess with us. That was interesting. Are you ready to embrace the future? Those who are not willing to change. Somebody said that in a leadership class are destined to fail because changes are part of life and we are ready to change forms we are not ready to change how do we worship how we worship God we are not going to change how we worship God we are not going to change our doctrines we are not going to change what the word of God says the Bible only the Bible and nothing but the Bible but when we change the forms we are changing forms to embrace the future but we have to start today in the present. The future, that we embrace the future, depends in our present. I don't know if you're ready for this, but I, I've been ready for two years, almost two years now. And I just want to tell you guys, God has so much for us. The question is, do you believe that? Because Jesus says, you must believe and Jesus is our commander-in-chief. He's, he's the boss. He tells me i got to believe. I'm going to believe Him. Even when I don't feel like it. I still got to believe Him. Because I don't have to go by feelings. But what He has promised to Hope City Church in the city of Norwalk. Amen? Our Father in Heaven, we thank You so much, Lord. Thank You so much for what You have done. Thank You so much, Lord, for our past. Thank you so much for what, what we have seen great men and women of God sacrificing so much in our past to bring us to where we are today at Hope City Church. We are here today because of the past. We are sitting in these nice air-conditioned buildings because people in the past sacrifice so much so we honor those we honor those who are the witnesses from the past and we are so blessed to be in this present 
We are so blessed for so many things that we are able to accomplish. But it's not in our own strength. It's with your spirit. It is by your spirit, not by mine. And we are so hopeful for what you have promised for our future. And we are looking forward, Lord, to so many things that we are going to be able to do to glorify your name by reaching out to the community, by helping the community, by serving other people, as much as it's just serving a cup of coffee for the people in the preschool. But by letting somebody just, just come and come by and have conversations with us. We are ready, Lord, to embrace our future. But we are going to work hard in the present with the vision that you have given us, Father. We are so blessed for what's coming next Sunday. We are so blessed to see and, and, to, and, and, and just to imagine what you're going to do from now on as we are developing all these plans and vision in your church we pray Lord for your blessings for Hope City Church it is in the name of our Lord and Savior who died for us on the cross so we can gather together and celebrate every week his name it is in his name that we pray and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand so the worship team can lead us in a, in a song. And I just want to tell you before you go, uh, if you were here for the first time, uh, remember there is a gift in the Welcome Center in the back. There is a gift for you. Please do not, uh, do not leave without picking up your gift. And um, uh, another thing is, if you are ready for the baptism class, we already did some of those classes this week. If you are ready for baptism class, please talk to Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim will be teaching uh, the, uh, a baptism class at 1 o'clock today. So please talk to Pastor Tim. He will, uh, he will be teaching a class. And, uh, oh, we have one prayer request, and is. Uh, well, in a week, in about a week and a half from now, Monica is getting surgery, so we want to be praying for Monica. Uh, she's having uh, surgery, and so we, as a church, have been praying, and we see the power of prayer. I mean, just look around. I remember, I remember a, a year and a half ago when I came here, we were 55 people here. Today, you can see we're not 55. This is the answer for prayer. God has been answering prayer. So let's keep on praying. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray for the ministry. Let's pray for those needs or those people who are going through different uh, you know, health situations. Um, let's keep on praying. We are on, in 15 days of prayer. Let's keep on doing that. And remember, vision without action is just a dream. Let's develop the vision God has given us. God bless you this morning. We're going to sing a song of hope. And when I say that, I mean hope that in this earth we go through troubles. We have troubles, all sorts of troubles. At work, family, uh, neighbors. We have sickness. We have pain. 
And there are times that we suffer. But guess what? All that has a day when it's all going to end. And that is when we, when we meet Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen? This, one, this song called, is called Soon and Very Soon. to do, right? This passage of Scripture spoke to me, and I probably, had, I really had intended to share it earlier, but it's a good way to conclude our time. For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward His saints, and having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence, so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. 
And so, God, we're grateful, Lord. We're grateful this morning that uh, you never forget uh, those who labor and serve you well. You won't forget those who have gone before us on whose shoulders we stand. You won't forget us who gather here this morning as we humbly, graciously, kindly, lovingly serve you together. As we continue to honor the the roots that we have, we continue to honor the scriptures you've given to us. We continue to value community that we share together and we continue to seek to reach out, to reach others with the gospel message. And so, Lord, even in this morning, as we honor the past, as we celebrate our future, as we or celebrate the present, as we embrace the future, we would recommit ourselves to serving you fully, serving you well. As you give us strength, as you give us life, as you give us energy, we recommit ourselves to serve you well. And we join our hearts together this morning. And praying for our lunch, launch Sunday, that Lord, you would bring to us those who would be responsive to what they're hearing. The cards that we're distributing, the invitations we're extending, the invitations in social media, all the avenues that we've chosen to seek to invite people to come, to explore, to learn, to hear. Lord, that you would bring many our way that would come to know Jesus. You'd bring many our way who would find the hope that's only found in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And so empowered by your Spirit, we walk out these doors this morning into a world that needs to know the hope that's only found in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Use us to extend your kingdom is our prayer together as we ask these things in the name of our King our soon-coming King Jesus. Amen.